Welcome to Grounds for Discussion, a book club podcast for the average Joe. Welcome to Grounds for Discussion. I'm Becky. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about the book, The 13th Tale. So with our book discussion today, Laura, what kind of coffee are you drinking? Um, well, it, it's not going to be a big surprise. I am drinking French Press Pete's Coffee. Okay. Uh, just a little bit of cream and sugar. So mm-hmm. pretty standard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am drinking Pete's as well, which is not standard for me. Ah. But Yeah. But I got this really special blend. I didn't realize what I was getting online. (laughs) So I bought it online. I haven't really, you know, I didn't buy it in the store or anything because, you know, quarantine. But um, I had no idea what I was getting. So I paid like quite a bit of money. But then when it came, it was like in this special package. And anyway, it's a really special blend. Apparently it's Kona. Oh, and, nice. yeah, yeah, it's really good. And I, I did I it. Say, can you tell? Is it, is it, oh, yeah. but it's something special? It's really good. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. Okay. <laughs> I know. I wish I could share with you. That's okay. I still like my regular pizza. So yeah. <laughs> well, I made it cowboy coffee style. Oh, okay. You introduced me to, I hadn't heard I, about it before that. You, you know that I love to experiment with different ways of making coffee. I don't know why. It's kind of yeah. a weird thing that I just like to do. <laughs> I don't know why. But yes, I did get to introduce that to you, which I hate yes. that you still use that. That's pretty cool. I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm drinking with a little bit of um, uh, half and half and some sugar. So mm, it's delicious. I love it. Yeah. Of course, we said we are also going to be enjoying a dessert that we feel like kind of represents the book. And so uh, we had decided to have a spice cake, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, I believe it was the the type of dessert that Margaret from the book Mm -hmm. had with Aurelius. And Aurelius is this wonderful cook, of course. And so he gives her this spice cake or ginger cake or something like that. So we decided... Mm -hmm a spice cake as well how's your spice cake did it, turn it out well? was really good I actually did a um well <laughs> I already ate it <laughs> I, I uh made it this morning and then I had a piece so um I actually made a, a keto spice cake oh, awesome. which I was a little bit hesitant about but um it turned out really well and I used I think one thing that probably made the difference I used a um pestle and mortar and I ground like the real spices yeah it it was really good it was good how is yours it's really delicious I was really surprised I thought I had made a mistake in the recipe and the Mm -hmm. way that I put together so I was like this isn't gonna work (laughs) but it's actually pretty delicious and Ben really loves it so well I saw a picture of it it's all fancy you did like a really pretty one but it was super simple. I just dusted some sugar on top. That's why it looks fancy. Huh. So. Yeah. It's very <laughs> English. <laughs> it's, it, it's just, I feel like the flavors kind of come out the longer they're on your palate, which I feel mm. like is a good metaphor for this book. Oh my goodness. Yes, definitely. Because the longer you read this book, the more like 
the truth comes out in different stories and yeah. Yes. So um, we thought we'd do a summary of the 13th tale. It kind of follows two different storylines. So it starts off with a young biographer, Margaret Lee. Uh, her father owns a bookstore and she has a bit of a rocky relationship with her mom, but she's really close to her dad. So she is recruited by a very well-known author, Vita Winter is her name. Uh, she's recruited by her to write Vita's true story that everyone has been itching to know, right? Yes. So sounds kind of basic based on that. But, well, uh, the reader finds out that Vita's story is really twisted and very sad. <laughs> like, yes. Um, it's a story that she's kept really close to her heart for many years. She hasn't told, you know anybody anybody this story except for the people that were involved knew about it but that's it so she um realizes that she's dying and she wants to come clean with the story she wants to tell everybody this story so she reveals an array of twisted truths and like haunted ghosts and all these different things in her past so i this story was messed up right <laughs> I thought it was yeah but... there was a lot of darkness to it in that yes. there was some really messed up things that happened in her family and that kind of thing yeah. so yeah yeah a very gothic feel to it yes um but not like it wasn't like so dark that you're like I want to stop reading this so it was more like ooh, let me sit by the fireside sip some tea see how this turns out kind of like yes you know yes it it, yes it had that gothic feel it wasn't like oh this is sick it was like this is weird I wonder what's going on and yeah it was it it had the gothic twist for sure definitely so um there's a little summary of the story and we thought we would introduce the cast of characters just a short little you know something about each one in case you've you know read this book a while ago or you know can't remember characters so the first character was uh vita right yeah we would describe her as kind of a standoffish take charge old lady right who's really good at telling stories telling tales yes and she wrote a many many stories that people really love she was a popular writer but she wrote this one story called the 13th tale or, or i'm sorry the 13 tales of something i can't remember the mm-hmm. rest of it. it had 13 in the title but there was only 12 stories in the original print yep so it made everybody wonder okay where's the 13th tale what happened to the 13th tale and so a lot of people there was rumor and speculation that kind of formed around it so everybody starts to wonder what is the 13th tale Mm -hmm. why wasn't it in there in the original so she sort of has this uh this whole question of an aura of mystery around her to begin with yeah yeah so then there's margaret which we mentioned before she's kind of like the spinster chick you know but she's like bookish and um she has a past of her own, which you come to find out later. Yes. She seems very shy and reserved. Yes. But she's very uh, into the written word. And she's just very 
her, her life is books. Her life is reading. Mm-hmm. I love how she loves books and how the author describes that. Like yes. she has a relationship with books. So yeah. Yeah. Her character is really cool. So then we have Isabella. Oh, Isabella. She oh yeah. is clearly mental from the get go. Right. She's just yeah. like, wow. And then there's Charlie. I would yes. describe him as kind of a nasty, nasty guy who sleeps around. And then he loves his sister way too much. Yeah, inappropriately. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think everyone can agree on that. Yes. And then there's the missus. She's kind of like the loving older housemaid um, who is blind. She can't see to save her life. Right. Uh, John the Dig. He was the faithful worker at um, the estate, Anglefield, in the uh, in the garden, right? Yes. Is it Anglefield or Angelfield? I, in my head, I kept saying Angelfield, but I don't know if that's oh, right. Oh, I don't know. I would have to look that up. I think it's Anglefield, but now I'm not positive. Okay. I don't know. And I always wondered about the name, too, because I thought, boy, there aren't really many angels at Angelfield, if that's the case. You know what? Case. You're right. It's Angelfield. <laughs> Which is even more interesting, isn't that? Yes, because because of... that's kind of a whole different thing yes. than what I would normally Ooh. picture for this this manor in this estate because it's just a weird place. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it does also kind of hint at like ghosts and otherworldly creatures. Yes. Yeah, in a way too. Uh huh. So I guess it kind of fits in. Yeah, totally anyway. interesting. Okay, so uh, then obviously there's the twins, Emmeline and Adeline. They're the two crazy girls who think and act as one. Right. Isabel's daughters. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And then Ambrose. Uh, he's he's a good guy, you know. But um, later on, he sleeps with Emmeline. So <laughs> that's kind of, uh, yeah. you know, that's rough. That's rough. And yes. then there's Aurelius. Do you say Aurelius? I, in my head, I say Aurelius. Aurelius. I okay. I don't know the right way. Don't quite know how to pronounce his name, but he's the <laughs> really good baker guy that we talked about earlier. Yes. So there's hard on his sleeve. Yeah. He's very. I mean, he leads with his sadness, and yes. so you feel bad for him. Yes. Yeah, you feel for him. He just. Yeah, he's a good character. So anyway, that's the cast of characters. Um. So let's let's talk about. Let's start with Charlie and Isabel. Let's sure. Just, let's just get go right there and just get to it. What's the deal? I mean, <laughs> why? Yeah. Like their parents are odd, maybe. Yeah. But I wouldn't call them crazy. The mother's really not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts out the mother dying in childbirth with Isabel. Yeah. So she's really not in any of the stuff, you know, and she's not there. Right. So it's kind of that Disney syndrome of starting off with yes. missing and that whole thing and so I I sort of go oh my word where did this all this crazy Mm -hmm. come from yeah why are Charlie and Isabel so odd Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't know how to explain their connection is just I mean it kind of creeped me out like yeah it's creepy yeah (laughs) yeah like there's pretty much no other way to describe it it's just downright you know it's yeah it was and their first real 
encounter with each other is Charlie hurting Isabel. Like, yeah. like does he poke her or something? Think, he does something. Like, I can't remember. I think he cut her, didn't he? Yeah, he he does something. Like, he uses something and he, like, hurts her. Yeah. And she goes right along with And we're talking, she's probably three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that's kind of how it seemed. And it's. And so he hurts her. And, and she kind of goes along with it. And not only that, but sort of enjoys it and, yes. and does it back to him. Yeah. Well, it said that, I think it mentioned that she smiled like she, yeah. and he realized that he had a partner instead of just someone to abuse. Yes. Yeah. So very odd. Yeah. Just the suggestion that she wasn't necessarily a victim, but that she was a part of it. Yeah. It's very sadistic. So and what do you think about, the fact that at some point Isabel sort of just decided to get out of the house up mm. until that point, they were very reclusive. Yeah. It was just their family, the dad, the two kids. Yeah. And they just lived in the house and they never left. They didn't do anything. They weren't part of society. Yep. But then at some point, Isabel just kind of decides, well, I'm going to go start seeing people. Yeah. What do you think brought that on? At first I thought that was very strange, but then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I wonder if she thought she was pregnant and she felt like maybe she had to go find a guy real quick. Like, that's what she, I wondered too. Yeah. Because she got married very quickly after that, but she didn't love him. I mean, she, she had right. like this focused attention on, I'm going to find a, a guy, you know? Yeah. And it seems very odd. Why would she do that unless she had something to hide or she, you know, she needed to be out of the house? I don't know. I don't know. One of That's those. That's what I wonder too. Yeah. But I found it strange because Vita makes a point of telling Margaret when she's telling this whole story, she makes a point of saying at some point she looked at her diary and as a woman, you know, she's looking for her last month, you know, her last cycle. Yeah. And that was much later. So I, mm. I wondered the same thing too, though. Maybe she had a scare earlier and thought, yeah. I better go find someone that I can kind of pin this on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I really think, well, if you think about the twins, you know, one of the questions early on was, who do you think their father was? So you know, there's, well, I think it's Charlie. Yes, I do too. I definitely think it's Charlie. I do too. I, I think for a while it was kind of iffy, but they, she made enough references to the fact that they had red hair, you know, like all these yeah. descriptive. And emerald eyes. Yes, just like he did. So it's like, okay, he's got to be the dad. Like, there's no, no question, right? So, yes. Yeah. And, and since we're on the twins, are, uh, I'm kind of moving on, yeah. if that's okay. Yeah. They, I mean, they bring on to a whole new level. Yeah. I mean, so first you have kind of the sadistic, sick brother-sister combo. And then there's the twins, yeah. Isabel's kids. Uh -huh. And they, I honestly, for being such main characters, I still don't really know who they are. Yeah. I mean, Emmeline just seems not very bright. Mm -hmm mostly nice but not very right bright. and Adeline just seems mean yep. yeah it's like she, that's all I get. like she got that 
that from Charlie and Isabella. Like she, she kind of yeah, she, got that. Like she inherited the sick yes, side, exactly. Or the mean, and then Emmeline. I think she just kind of, you know, that's what happens when you have a baby with your brother. <laughs> like yeah. Emmeline, that's not the brightest. Oh, yeah. 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 So, but it was interesting because at one point in the book, they talked about how, um, was it the twins that believed that if they didn't have their other half, it's almost like you weren't a whole person if you didn't have a twin. Do you remember that part? Yes. Yes. The missus talks about looking in on the twins playing Uh and says that they look up and see a cuckoo clock where the little bird comes out Mm. and they're watching it. And she says she notices that it looks exactly the same way that they look at her when she's kind of scolding them or something. And she realizes these two don't realize anyone else is alive. Mm. They think only twins a twin is a whole person Mm -hmm. so everyone else must seem like amputees Mm. yes yeah which i thought was very interesting to think of i did too being a twin in that way there you do hear of like you know these crazy things with twins sometimes how they can almost read each other's minds like um or they know when the other one is hurt or you know so it does make you think like is there something, is there something there, you know? Yeah. Well, and I thought it was so interesting, the connection between that idea and Margaret, because Margaret talked about always feeling like there was something, there was something missing. There was something else. There was something to the right of Uh her. (laughs) Yeah. And she finally finds out she was a twin and not only a twin, a conjoined twin. So she talks about feeling like she is an amputee, Mm -hmm. like she's only and, and missing her sister yeah and feeling like indeed even though she never knew her yeah 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 very interesting so throughout the book it talked a lot about uh jane Eyre. yes and the one of my favorites yes the connection between that so um it was mentioned quite a few times do you think that there was yes. um do you think the author meant to do that? And do you think uh, there's a connection between the 13th tale and Jane Eyre? Well, I have kind of a cheat on that because my book has a question and an answer session with the author. And um, it actually talks to her about some of these classics that come up, not just Jane Eyre, yeah. but there's several classics and most of them gothics uh-huh. that are mentioned throughout the book. But Jane Eyre is the most prevalent. It's the one that comes up the most mm-hmm. often. And there are just a lot of plot lines and, and themes and ideas that really resonate through the book and are very applicable to different circumstances of this book as well so they both take place in yorkshire on the moors Mm. they both are very gothic in nature there's a lot of um strange family connections you know you think about rochester and his Mm. wife who he's hiding while you come to find out there's someone hiding in this story as well um you know there's a lot of orphans so you know jane is an orphan you find out several other or at least a couple other orphans in this book as well you find out okay well we we know who their parents are but we don't in the beginning 
um, can they consider themselves orphans? And just that whole idea of wandering from home mm. and coming back. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of parallels with yep. Jane Eyre, which I thought was so interesting. I think um, from what I remember reading about it with the question and answer, she said that it wasn't necessarily something she meant to put in, mm. but it kind of started to emerge and she didn't make any effort to stop it because she loves these yeah. books. She's very um, kind of the Margaret character, mm. the author mm-hmm. is. It's, it's not a one for one, but she very much feels uh an affinity for margaret and and her love of words and her love of kind of these classic books that are very yeah. gothic so yeah. yeah very interesting yeah the um even the deception of a ghost you know is very similar yes. in both of these stories although when i think of 13th tale i don't necessarily think of jane eyre they're very different stories but yes um yeah, I just thought she did a really, a really good job of um, hinting at Jane Eyre, even in the telling of her story, not necessarily saying Jane Eyre, although she did, yeah. but yeah. And there were some some parallels that were pretty big, too, even just the, the governess character who um, is sort of being haunted by mm-hmm. twins, which is almost exactly the turn of the screw. Yeah. Um, so that's in another classic tale which actually i don't know if they mentioned that one but mm-hmm. that's a you know kind of um another gothic yeah. tale yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i don't want to keep belaboring the point but it just comes up yep. over and over in such clever ways yes. i think yes definitely so when vida is telling her story do you remember when she switched from the we to the i when she started talking about I did this instead of, you know, you don't remember that. I'm trying to remember. Okay. I, I know she did at one point. I know Margaret called attention yeah. to it and, but not, not to Vita. Cause she didn't want to, yeah. um, she, she did. I think she didn't want to stop the flow of the story and she didn't want her to recognize that she had inserted herself mm-hmm. into it because she didn't want her to right. stop. Right. Yeah. Well, I noticed, cause this is the second time that I've read this book um, but I did not notice the first time, but the second time I definitely did. I think it was because I was looking for clues about how the story changes. Um, because I yeah. knew it did. I just couldn't remember how it's been so long since I've read it, but, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to hear it the second time and notice it. I just assumed that was because she was starting to like take ownership of her own story. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, obviously the big twist at the end that it was a different person altogether, but yeah. Yeah. Well, for, for our readers to say, you know, this is a book that Becky and I actually read when we first started our virtual book club, it was, it was our first book pick and we read it together and that's been several years Mm -hmm. ago now. So both of us have read this before, but it's been a while. So it was definitely interesting reading it a second time for me Mm -hmm. as well, because kind of knowing where the story starts to go, you're able to sort of anticipate, okay, so where is she going to start to insert herself? Yeah. Where is she going to start to show up in the story? And is it all going to click for me? Will it make sense? Because 
I, I know where she's yeah. going. And, and it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, for those of you who haven't read it, um, you know, I, I hopefully we're not giving away too much, <laughs> although we've given, but I do hope people read it. And if you have read it, um, it's fun to kind of go back and just sort of flip through a little bit and look and see where did, where did Vita start putting herself mm-hmm. into the story? Yeah. So. Um, so what do you think the 13th tale was? That was like the big question all throughout the whole book. What do you think the 13th tale was? Yes. I don't know because in the end of the book, we sort of get some closure on that a little bit from Vita. She, she has left Margaret or given to someone, maybe the solicitor, yeah. I can't remember, a letter for mm-hmm. Margaret. And it seems to be that, that this is the 13th tale mm-hmm. that she's telling the 13th tale. But I don't know if that was ever really the intention, if that was Vita's intention hmm. originally when she first published the book. It might have been. Why it do you think been. that? Um, I, I just don't know. I'm just not sure if that was really what the 13th tale was for her yeah. or not. Um, and it may have been, it could have been, she, you know, she talks about, we all myth- mythologize yes. our birth because we're not, even though we're there, we have no memory mm-hmm. of it. So our tale always sort of starts before we're even there. And we're always playing catch up to our own story. Like a person who's coming in the middle yep. of a movie. And I thought that was really interesting. And it's true, you know, yes, this story that she tells to Margaret um, is probably the best version of the 13th tale that she can come up with for being a latecomer to her yeah. own story. Um, it's probably some version of the yeah. truth, I would yeah. say. Um, well, I think? just... I just thought by the end of the book that that was the 13th tale. And it very well might be. I think it probably is. It's probably supposed to be. I just wasn't sure if that was, you know, if you go back to when she first published the 13 tales, um, whether that was what she had in mind, because she talks so often, Vita talks so often about um, sort of these stories that she kind of grabs bits and pieces from Mm. all over the place and weaves things together and, um, this is there's a, a story in the background or maybe even maybe she might even be saying a ghost or a person in the background that keeps asking for attention mm, and doesn't get yes. it until now until mm-hmm. until now when she's decided to tell yeah. all basically yeah. so I don't know yeah probably yeah interesting I never thought that it wasn't that so that's that's interesting how you you know it, it probably is it probably yeah. is yeah. So when do you think this story took place? Because really the I that is I love yeah. that. <laughs> I love that question because this could really have taken place yes. anytime. It's got such a gothic feel to it, sort of an old timey tint or almost a sepia hue to yeah. the whole story. But it really could have happened at any time and in any place. And I think that was on purpose Mm. by the author to sort of say um, these stories uh, can happen at any time. You know, she talks to in the the interview in the back about the idea of are there only so many stories and just different faces Mm. on each 
mm-hmm. time we tell them. And she says, no, because there's so many people. So even if the exact same thing happens to a different person, it's a yeah. different story. So I, I just thought that was so interesting. I think she's almost making a statement about this is a, a fairy tale, sort of a gothic fairy tale, but it could happen anywhere mm. and at any time. Yeah. In a I, I definitely thought it was timeless. Uh, you know, it doesn't talk about technology. Um, I think it does mention a car, right? Because, or a tr- there are yeah. a few hints. Yeah. There's definitely a few hints. Um, there is a car mentioned, John, John yep. working on the car at one point. Um, there's also the mention of, well, I thought it was interesting that um, uh-huh. the doctor, Dr. Yeah. Maudsley, was it? Um, his wife dies of influenza. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I automatically thought, okay, was that a regular strain or was that right. the pandemic yeah. influenza? Yeah. So is she giving uh-huh. a little clue there? Um, someone else died of influenza too. And I'm trying Ooh, to remember who it was. I don't know. Look. I don't know. Was it Isabel? Uh, yeah. Someone else died of, of, of influenza th- in the book. And I, I think, think it, it might have been Isabel. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't know if that was just i mean a nod to you know people still mm-hmm. die of the flu or it was yeah the, you know they died in the pandemic yeah or, i don't know yeah which i thought was interesting given yeah what we're, <laughs> what we're right. doing at the moment a repeat on history a bit <laughs> but that exactly. goes back to what did you that, think you know that goes back to the stories are timeless like so yes yeah i I pictured it think? more like, um, like around the turn of the century, uh, you know, uh, when Isabel was in the story. So, you know, I, I'm not, yeah. uh, I didn't really figure out the math part of that. <laughs> like what, you know, what, um, <laughs> how old Margaret would be or whatever, but, or yeah, but. Anyway, yeah, that's how I kind of pictured it. When you were picturing it in your head, did you have a, a specific, like, you know, because I always picture, like, what they're wearing and, you know, the things around yeah. them. Uh, I, I did have sort of almost that yeah. same setting in mind. It just felt most natural there to me to, to kind of place it there in my head. Because as you as a reader, yeah. you have to have some framework, yeah. obviously. You're, you're picturing all these events and all these people. And so, of course, I saw Hester in sort of this very starched pinafore and skirt with her little, maybe even a little cap, yes. like just kind of, you know, very you know, straightforward and businesslike and prim and proper mm-hmm. and, you know, just that she looked yep. that way as well. Um, but in kind of turn of the century garb. And I pictured the same thing for, you know, I would, I sort of pictured Isabel in these sort of summery, you know, flowy dresses, yes. sort of, you know, Circa the Gilded Age or mm-hmm. however you want to think of it, that kind yep. of thing. So yeah, I, I had almost yeah. that same image, yeah. Interesting. I think. Um, so the big question, the ratings, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so I have sure. one more question for you though, because I, I love, I thought this was so interesting. The book almost starts off on this, this note of stories versus like yes. fact versus fiction, because the, 
one of the first things that you read about is Vita's letter to Margaret asking her about, um, you know, if she will do this assignment. And she says that it all started because she had a journalist who came and asked her to tell her the truth, Mm -hmm. tell him the truth. And she talks about in this letter to to Margaret, she says, well, what good is the truth? Like what comfort is the truth Mm -hmm. on a cold night or this kind of thing? You need a, you need a good fairy tale to give you warmth and comfort. Nobody wants the truth. Mm. That's not helpful basically. And I just thought that was so interesting. What what did you think about that? What did you think about her idea that the truth isn't, isn't always helpful? That's kind of a reoccurring theme in the book too, but um, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my automatic reaction is, you know, I think it was instilled in us speak truth. Like, yeah, that was a big thing of our dads to, or our dad to um, have us speak truth as kids. And even now, like with our family, every single night we have this saying, you know, speak truth, live pure, right, wrong, follow God. So um, that's a big, yeah. What's that? Oh, which I have always loved. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a Nathan thing, you know, he, he thought of that. And I, I love it. I, you know, we talk about those things um, quite a bit. So like, for me, speak truth is a big part of how I live my life, you know, and I, I love stories. I just don't, I think they have their place. I think that the truth has to come out and the truth is what sets you free, right? Like, uh, you know, you can be living in this fairy tale world, but that's not reality. So, uh, you know, and she had mentioned too, um, her mom, you know, near the end of the book, she had said something to her. Uh, Aurelius Margaret had about how her mom preferred weightless stories and in, in place of heavy ones that sometimes it's better to yes. not know um and I yes and how much yeah. that hurt her really I yeah. mean Margaret was because very hurt I, by that because the ultimate story that she wasn't told was the yeah. story about her twin which was the truth she exactly. was she wasn't told the truth yeah and, and, and I feel her. like the truth will come out eventually. Yeah. So whether you tell it in the beginning or you tell it at a different time, really you think that you're not hurting somebody by, you know, not telling them the truth, but it's doing the opposite because, yeah, because if you're not telling that person the truth, eventually they're going to find out and it's going to be heavy, you know, and it's, and it's going to, it could ruin relationships. And, you know, there's so many things that can happen if you don't speak truth and there's going to be repercussions no matter what is how I look at it. So, yeah. I also think that there's not necessarily this line of demarcation between truth and a good Mm. story, because i a lot of times um, it, it's kind of just all in the telling. Mm. One person could be uh, telling a story about something that happened and another person who was there tells it slightly differently yeah. but in their interpretation or the, just the telling of it um, 
it, mm. it can become masterful yes. or beautiful or sad or heavy or light or so I, I do think that that um what Vita maybe was missing from the equation was that tr- truth isn't single faceted mm. either um you know if the truth is a diamond you turn it one mm. way it looks this way you turn it the other way it looks way doesn't make either one of those wrong it just means that in in the hands of a a master storyteller you can tell the truth and still have a a really beautiful story yeah yeah and and so I always think about that with with God sometimes too like you know he he's he's gonna tell my story in a way that is is masterful and beautiful even though some of the Mm. facts don't look pretty yeah even that even anyway you know memories (laughs) you and I have, you know, some memories that are similar, but the way that we remember them is different. It's all about how you tell it, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. That's that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Rating time. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously we are not the same person. So we each have our own rating. Back. What what are you gonna give? Okay, so the thirteenth tale. I uh, before I read it for the second time, I was like, "Oh, this is totally gonna be a Pete's." However, I decided to give it a a Javalia, which is a four. Okay, so for those of you who may not know, we rate our books in different kinds of coffee based yep. on what we like yep. best. <laughs> so, um. You know, number one, unfortunately, mm. Folgers. Just <laughs> Poor Folgers. <laughs> Poor Folgers. Number two is mm-hmm. Dunkin' Coffee. Not awful, but, you know, not not our favorite. Number three, kind of an, an average would be like yep. eight o'clock coffee. Not bad. Not bad. Um, number four is Javalia, mm-hmm. which is what you've given the book. So, yep. It'd be a four out yeah. of five. Okay. So, okay. Um, why not the five? Good question. So here's, okay. I loved the author's description of reading her love for reading. I thought that was really endearing in the story. Um, it got me like drawn into the story right away. Um, I loved the bookstore theme, the bookish characters. Okay. All that stuff. Um, I also liked um, how she, like, she kind of did a little banter with the audience or the reader about, like, uh, how how the story is dangerous because, you know, she she fell that one time. Do you remember that part? How she said that reading can be dangerous. Yes, yeah. I love that. And there were a couple of parts throughout the book that were just very, like, uh, had double meanings that were really, you know, interesting to read. But, um like when the doctor, you know, prescribes her a good dose of what was it? Like, <laughs> yes, because sure she's suffering from an ailment that what affects ladies of romantic imagination, right? <laughs> so, like, yes, yeah, which I thought so was like hilarious. All those little things I loved about the book. I loved how she told it, how it had like that suspense. Um, but I think. I gave it the Javalia because number one, parts of it were hard to read for me. Um, just on like a moral okay. level. Um, 
there were some explicit things that I was like, <laughs> you know, so yeah. But um, number two, there was no mention of like where Vita came from, which kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like where, how did she survive? Where did she come from? All of a sudden she's in this story and she's what? How old was she when John the Dick found her? Well, I I took it to be like if the thirteenth tale is really her story, then she must have been with her mom for at mm. least a few years. But eventually, the mom left her in the garden. Okay, of the father and maybe of the child. Um, basically saying like, look, this is your yeah. child. It's your turn to deal with it. I've dealt with it for three, yeah. four, or five years, however long. It's your turn to to take responsibility yeah. and ownership for what you did, which mm-hmm. was, you know, he yeah he did a bad thing. I couldn't tell if it was um, if it if she was trying to make it mysterious, um, like you know, going back to the whole birth story, but you know, I couldn't tell if she was trying to do that or if she was trying if she kind of just left out details. You know, that was kind of unknown to me so you know I overall I did love the book I just can't give it that piece you know I can't give that that five ranking but yeah I did really enjoy the book so what about you well I you know I actually did all right okay um because for me, uh, it just mm. ticks all the boxes. I mean, the, the entire book is like an homage to classic mm. Gothic literature. And it's just, I mean, all these titles that come up over and over. And it's not just her throwing titles in. She's used the themes and different yes. tropes from those. And just she's inserted so, so many um, themes from, from, from some of these um, books and I and they're books yeah. that I really love um, and and have have really loved for years and years so so for me I just the way that she weaves her sentences and the way that she weaves the entire story I just find it ex- yes. just very beautiful um, and especially not the least because it's yeah. about books and and you mm-hmm. know people who love books and and bookstores and and um, you know, kind of that quaint English yes. manor house <laughs> setting. Um, it just, t- for me, it ticks so many of the boxes of things that yep. I just really yep. love in fiction. So um, it was just a fun read. Now, I will say this time around, mm. it was a little bit of a harder read because I have read it yeah. before and I knew where it was going. Um, but I still, I still love yeah. it. I, I do a, enjoy uh, this yes. book. I would recommend this book. I definitely would. Um I, I think I would recommend it with a little warning, though. Yes, a small caveat. There, you know, for, for those of you who um, right. you know, are sensitive about some of those issues, yeah. it, could be, yeah. it could be a bit harder yeah. to read. So, but, yeah. Well, this has yeah. been just really fun um, going yes. over this again with you and kind of re- reminding yeah. me of the first time around. So that <laughs> when we first decided to start a, a book club together over, um, you know, over, yeah. over using Marco Polo <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, um, but we'd uh, like to let yes. you know about our next book pick. Um, we will be reading the book Little Women 
by Louisa May Alcott. I'm, <laughs> I'm Louisa May Alcott, if I can say her name correctly. Um, shout out to Nathan, yes. Becky's husband. <laughs> the reason we're, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the reason we're going to read that one next is because her husband actually did something so sweet. He decided to get both Becky and me a... Um, called um coffees in a Cla- mm-hmm. ca- coffee in a classic which is like a little subscription box and um he got that for both of us for mother's day which was so sweet and in it it included a copy of louisa mailcott's book and some coffee that you can read with it yes. in a mug it was just super cute anyway um, so <laughs> thank you so much nathan it will be our i'm excited book. about so, this one because uh, i have i read it yeah yeah i read I it a long done it time ago long. Um, and I remember loving it. So it'll be interesting to read it now. It's always interesting when you read a book later on in life, not later on, but you know, like, like it's been, it's been quite a few years yeah. and you come at it with a different perspective. So I'm excited about this book. Yeah. Yes. I think it's going to be fun. So join us next time where the um, coffee and the discussion. books are a perfect blend.